We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranges McBasketball. Tim, the Lakers are riding a 4-1 and five-game stretch here. They made a starting lineup change since the last time we've recorded, and they're starting to put a little bit of their identity together, I think at least on the defensive end, with that Cam Reddish defensive performance here in, in November. But Lakers have also played a pretty light schedule here outside of a couple good teams and good wins. But anyway, how are you doing this week, man? What's going on? I'm doing well. I, uh, I've enjoyed the, the team winning. It's definitely more fun to stream and rewatch. Um, I'm going to you know watch the first time, of course, anyways. But having to rewatch through getting blown out by like 20 points is not fun. So... Uh, having to go through and log play-by-play after good things that I'm excited about is is more of a blast for me. And we've got another game that should be a win coming up tonight against Houston, then Utah coming up. Team's in great shape from an in-season tournament standpoint. So things are definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, so we're going to pod today about some of those good things we've seen from the Lakers over the stretch, uh, including that Cam Reddish kind of uptick in in output i think another part of that tim is uh the shooting you know, regression positive regression for the lakers with the team like exploding in some of these halves the offense looking better and you're tracking how many 30 point quarters they've had and uh and then later we'll transition maybe into some of the bad some of the turnovers what those look like how that all breaks down so i guess good first tim Cam Reddish has been phenomenal since being entered into the starting lineup. So he's leading the league in steals in November, deflections, like one of those two. I guess outside of also, you know, shooting the ball insanely well, he has jumped up in his intentionality, maybe on defense, you know, gambling in the right moments, recognizing the angles that are worth gambling. 
So what have you seen from Cam, though, the last week or so? Yeah, he's been incredibly disruptive. And it's fit in with the identity the team wants to have on defense where they are trying to take you out of your rhythm, take you out of your sets, you know, make you like not get real shots up. I think Cam probably leads the league in, and I haven't watched all 30 teams to be able to say this for sure, but it feels like he should be close to the top of the league in like deflections and or steals before like in backcourt while the camera's not even seeing it. And like when Lakers hit a bucket, you see him sprinting to try to go intercept an inbounds pass. And then the camera pans to the right and you can't see what happens. And then all of a sudden they pan back over and he's hitting a layup and plays like that. So have been awesome. It's been great, dude. And like, even, you know, after they get the inbounds pass and they're walking the ball up the court, you can see him just sit on the pass to the point guard, just waiting to jump out and go for it. And every now and then he'll, he'll jump out and the pass doesn't come, but it, I haven't really seen him burn yet doing that in a way where it leads to like, a layup or something. So he's sitting there, he's baiting, he's trying to get those steals and that's been a blast. He's also shooting and scoring much better. Uh, I thought he's been like his role offensively has expanded a bit more and he's done well in it. He's also just like hitting his threes at a better rate. And he is, you know, last time we potted, he is cutting well too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's, he's fit in really well because he's not, one of the better three-point shooters on the team if we just you know ignore this year's three-point percentages i don't i don't know where he stacks up this year but he's not one of the better three-point shooters on this team when he's on the weak side and it's like i don't know him and austin reeves or him and d or him and prince if the defense is helping and you need one of those two guys uh, helping on like a post-up and you need one of those guys to cut or set a pennant flare screen or something he's that guy and, you know, you'd rather have those better shooters spotting up. And he's been really willing. He's he's identifying when those moments are happening and he's getting down there and he's being rewarded with buckets. And then he's also setting his teammates up for buckets by setting screens like that. And it's been great to see. So he's fitting an off ball uh, as long as he's hitting his threes. We, we don't really have any problems with him offensively. And then defensively, he went from like struggling a bit with some of the on ball stuff and then not you know, the defensive playmaking wasn't there. Like it just wasn't there. It wasn't, you know, whether you looked at the film or not, no, it just, it just wasn't there last time we podcasted since then he's really turned it around and he's been incredibly disruptive. And as you mentioned, one of the top in the league from a deflection standpoint, he's top 15 in deflections per 48 minutes, I think is what I looked at. And then Torian Prince is top 15 in charges taken per 48 minutes too. So the, the disruption ADs leading the league in, in like blocks per game or blocks yep. per 48. So just in every facet, stealing the ball, deflecting the ball, blocking shots, generating offensive fouls, like this team has that guy step up and Cam Reddish is a big part of that. And just the broader disruption the team has been able to enact has been, you know, it's it's that Kevin Chang mindset we've talked <laughs> about. And uh, Vando and Gabe Vincent both haven't been playing over the stretch either. And they are both guys that are really good at this stuff. And when they're back, I think you're going to see a bump in this regard in this specific area as well, which is really encouraging for me to see. Yeah. I also think, um, sliding him in next to Prince, you know, that it, the whole slotting down, bringing Austin in, and he is actually falling off a little bit in rhythm. It feels like with him adjusting to the new, you know, pacing and timing of his role. Um, he, he played well at the end of that Phoenix game, but, 
hasn't quite put things together off the bench in the same way as, as he was starting to put things together in the starting lineup. So it's a give and take, but the jump in quality and impact from Cam is, I think, certainly worth it. I think Austin's the kind of guy that gets it, just wants to contribute as that, you know, even keel temperament. So I don't think there's going to be drama, hopefully, or any any fallout, but it's good to see that Cam bringing and stepping up and being, I guess, asked and sh- told to do things and being shown things. And he's already kind of providing dividends off of that, it feels like, at least with his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I think Cam has done a good job in his role and has just flat out played better. Austin has leaned into adjusting to his new role and his minutes are still there. He's still closing a lot of games. This is purely to me more of a are we able to get 48 good minutes of lineups out there and i think this helps with that one thing that i am seeing with that new starting group that i am a little concerned about is just the offensive shot quality that they are generating this is something i tweeted out the other day just looking at the lakers top lineups this season and the expected like points for possession on the shots they're generating based on my tracking of the top seven lineups uh the two worst ones have been Reeves, Prince, Rui, Wood, Hayes, like, okay, sure. It's like a bunch of, you know, but I understand why that's not one of the better ones. And then this new starting lineup of D'Lo, Cam, Prince, Braun, AD. It's been several steps below that of the old starting lineup and the other, the, the other four most frequently used lineups for the team this season. So I am a little concerned by that. I think I understand that. Like you're more dynamic offensively with Reeves as opposed to Reddish. But defensively, the the playmaking that he's brought, I think, helps kind of bridge the the offensive gap that I am concerned about, or at least it has so far, as long as Cam is continuing to hit his threes at a good rate. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is a like perfect solution. I don't think this is the Lakers' probably best lineup on the season or will be, but I understand why it has worked so far in what there are several parts of that. I, that I think are sustainable and work will carry over even if his three point shooting and his offense does cool down a little bit. I like that. I mean, there's no doubt teams looked better uh, defensively you mentioned earlier, the disruptiveness on the perimeter uh, kind of funneling things toward AD and non shooters that LeBron cannot close out. on. <laughs> That's the Lakers scheme defensively. Right, uh-huh. like, jump the passing <laughs> lanes. Pick a guy that you don't want to go, uh, you don't want to guard, and just let him shoot eight corner threes a game. And the law of averages means he's gonna most nights not kill you. Like that's like the five D chess. It feels like Braun plays on defense because for talking, I guess bad and kind of doing more balanced. You know, he was one of the biggest culprits, right? On in their defensive rebounding woes and his low box out rate. Yeah. Yeah. So in looking at what has worked and what hasn't worked, one of the big areas for me that has been a problem and, you know, it's, it's worse than I was thinking it would be is the team's defensive rebounding and the second chance their points they're giving up as a result of that. It's, it's like from a root cause standpoint, you don't just look at second chance points and be like, ah, you know, you're not doing good defending in you know, broken plays. It's about defensive rebounding. And root causing where the defensive rebounding has been an issue is is boxing out right. tendencies. And so right. this is something that I am, I didn't want to do this because it takes some time, but I am tracking this 
I am looking at every shot that goes up. And when the shot goes up, what I'm looking for is for all five players to look and see whether if they have a hand on their guy and they know where they is, where he is, that's fine. If they don't, I need them to swivel their head and look and see their man check to make sure they are crashing or not crashing. And if they are crashing, you need to do something about it. Thankfully, I haven't seen too many plays where like, you know, LeBron James shot goes up. LeBron James looks at his man. His man's crashing to the rim and Bron's like, eh, I don't I don't want to try right now. That's not what I'm seeing. That, that would be a very different issue where I am seeing an issue with D'Angelo Russell, Christian Wood and LeBron James specifically is they're not checking They're The shot goes up and they're just watching the ball as it goes through the air. And everyone else you can. It's so funny to look at this on film. The other four guys on the court, you can see all of their heads turn at the exact same time to check their man and then go look at the rim. And then they try to go get in position. So it's it's in ways an effort thing, but it's not a like, oh, no, we need to, you know, put a lot of burden and and heavy workload on, you know, our superstar LeBron James. that's carrying a lot of weight or D'Angelo Russell, who's doing a lot offensively. It's it's more of an awareness and a habits thing of like check. Because a lot of times they're not crashing and you're fine, but when they are crashing and you don't check, that makes you vulnerable. And that is when we see offensive rebounds. Now, sometimes the ball just bounces out in a weird way or the actual box out isn't very good. But from a Tim standpoint, I am most focused on tracking to see if the behaviors are there. And I've come up with, you know, I've got a, a, I've tracked the past four games. I'm working my way backwards. So I don't have all five of the most recent ones and I'll try to keep going backwards to get more and more of the season. But like 80 has been phenomenal. He's got a 90% success rate here. Austin Reeves, 84%. Cam Reddish, 82%. Prince is at 80. Christie's at 80. Rui's at 79. All of those guys or are at, or just about at where I want them to be. I think 80% is my goal. And then Hayes is at 74%. That's problematic because he's a center and he's going to have his man often crashing. Christian Wood at 67%, that's a problem because again, he is a guy who's, you know, his man will be crashing for boards. Now, thankfully, Wood is a good individual rebounder and that mitigates this somewhat, but still a vulnerability. Delo's at 70%, LeBron's at 66%. So one out of every three shots, LeBron's not even checking to see if his man's crashing. If I'm another team, I'm telling whoever LeBron's guarding to crash every time yeah. and you're going to get four or five offensive rebounds a game, or you're at least going to get a lot of chances. And so this is something I'm tracking. I have reached out and I have confirmed that the Lakers are not tracking this. And that concerns me. And so I'm going to keep tracking it and keep, keep uh, tweeting about it and uh, see if see if this is something they do decide they want to track. Because it's not hard to do, but it's very impactful. Because if you want to drive accountability, you have to check things. You have to track things. You can't, you know, eschew the, the principles and the priorities and then never track them and expect them to improve. This is something that that is very, very easily tracked and would be a very fixable issue. So it's bad right now for certain guys. And actually, I was looking in. I know it's only four games, but comparing the overall team like box out success rate with the team's defensive rebounding percentage, there's a super, super strong correlation right now, which makes perfect sense. Um so that's that's something I'm keeping an eye, an eye out for. And I don't know, any any initial thoughts on that? And then I'll, I'll yeah. tell you about the new stat I have for this as well. Like new re- the rebounding, I think, has been attacked from the rotation standpoint as well. You know, we've been calling out 
during a lot of our streams, some of the newer, like, interesting lineups that are out there. We're like more Austin at the one and just more size. Like Cam in the starting lineup is is a good example and kind of slotting people down better and not expecting LeBron to have to be like a beast on the boards. You know, mm-hmm. AD is, but he's, you know, going to be on one side of the court a lot of times. And that back line, after he contests a shot well and makes a difficult attempt, uh, it's probably going to miss. There's, like you said, there's guys uh, back cutting prints, even, you know. So even though it feels like, you know, four, he was 80%, four out of five, I need that intention to, to pull down. I think scheme wise, I, I, I don't know. They can get out once they get a, a block in, in transition or a clear. Offense mm-hmm. or defensive rebound, but they need to really sink in more, like as as a team. I think overall, yeah, and, and that's where like I think at a team level, it should be there needs to be like a flow chart of like shot mm-hmm. goes up, where's my man? If my man's crashing, take care of him. If my man's not crashing, that that's where you can start, you know, tweaking things. Is it if my man's not crashing, I run out in transition? Is it if my man's not crashing, I hang out kind of in a mid range area just in case there's a long rebound? Or am I sandwiching down? And between those three options, you might have different answers based on you know what position the player is, or maybe where on the court they're standing. Um, like if you're in the corner, maybe you sandwich down. If you're at the top of the key, maybe you sandwich down. Maybe you run in transition. If you're the guy contesting a, a kickout three at the top of the key, do you just contest the shot and then just keep running? Like that's where the team needs to figure out what they want to do, and that'll dictate some of what happens if your man isn't crashing. But just just checking and taking care of the defensive boards before we even worry about like transition has to be a priority for this team because that is like the one thing yeah. defensively that's not going well. Like defending the rim, they are great right now at you know low frequency of shots at the rim and they're not allowing high shot quality. They're top five in both of those. The only team better than them is Milwaukee right now. They are allowing the, I think it was the fourth lowest quality threes currently. So they're not giving up good shots they're just giving up second shots and that's the Lakers problem. And if you fix this, you fix that. And then this is a really, really interesting defensive team. Um, so I don't know, something to keep an eye on. I've uh, in addition to just looking at the percentage and uh, for, for this tracker document, it is up and available for people in the courtside tier of the discord. If you want to check that out, look game by game, look overall, I have another tab in there that shows each player as columns, each game as rows. And you can see the, uh, I'm calling it boast box outs above standard to see like, oh, okay, you know, AD four out of four games has been doing a great job. Cam only two out of the four games has done a great job. Prince two, you know, three out of four games, Christy three out of four. So you can see how consistent guys are with this. Cause I think it'll be a fairly consistent thing. Or at least that's my hypothesis because it's very behavioral rather than results-based. I don't know. Give, give it a look. If you're in there, I do think Torian Prince is catching more crap than he needs to be because his individual rebounding is not good, has not been good from a volume standpoint or from a conversion rate standpoint. Like when he is in a rebounding battle, him versus yes. another guy, he is losing that battle more often than not. He has 18 wins and 20 losses rebounding wow. battles this season, which are defensive rebounding battles. So a little under 50-50, he's one rebound away from being 50-50. Delo's at 56%. LeBron's at 77%. You know, ADs at 64%. You can you can go take a look at that data at the NBA website, but that individual piece 
And then also the box out piece have to be missing. If you only look at one and not the other, you're going to miss a big piece of the story. So that's, that's what they should be looking at. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'll continue to produce some, some content around. And if they fix this, the defense is looking like it's in really good shape other than the one other area we're going to talk about shortly. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Really quick, just kind of hitting this last point. It, it, I don't think this is just the team totally missing Jared Vanderbilt from the lineup either, I, but I do think it's an underrated part of his you know, equation in, in a possible starting lineup uh, change once he comes back. The, the rebounding and the point of attack are two things this team could use right now. Yeah, I think he would help here. I was looking back yesterday to try to see if I had tracked any games in, that he was on the team last season, and I hadn't for this, so I don't. I mean, I've looked at his like film and been like, okay, this looks pretty good, but I haven't like in-depth tracked it to the point where I'm like, oh, I expect 85% or 75% or 50% or 90% from him. Um, but I do, I would expect that he would be helpful here just because I know in general, his defensive rebounding individually is good and the impact on the team level is, is generally pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gabe Vincent like not winning battles, but boxing out pretty actively as well given what we know about him more as like a kind of gritty player, undersized guy. So I think one or both of them could certainly be beneficial for this. Um, I do wonder, like, do you in some ways try to shape like the lineups that you put together with this? Like you obviously, if you're the team and you track this, which they don't, you want the team, you know, the players to improve what they're doing. But on top of that, do you try to 
minimize the number of lineups that are full of guys that aren't as good at this. Like right. the, the Wood, Hayes, maybe D'Lo and LeBron are in there. And I don't know, uh, take a fifth guy. Like those should be your worst rebounding groups from a box out standpoint, even though you've got good size. Um, whereas like, I think if I'm trying to put together the, the best five, if you put Reeves, Reddish, Prince, Rui, AD together, those are like your five best guys at making sure that they are boxing out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well this correlates with lineup data right now, just because the sample sizes are pretty low, but I would expect it to, as those samples grow throughout the year. It's like, this is, I think, an underrated part of of watching LeBron be as incredible as he has been to start this season in his 21st season. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to also frame his season with like he's barely playing defense. Like outside of yeah. some of the like he still yeah. makes them loud, chase down blocks, right? He's still getting to be fair, he's jumping lanes. He had another couple pick sixes probably the other night uh against the Blazers, but young team, whatever. It, he is really not like I'm, I wasn't kidding really. <laughs> it seems like their scheme is like LeBron pick somebody who you want to shoot eight corner threes tonight, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. It, <laughs> his energy bar is certainly not being spent on yeah. defense, and he's trying to efficiently spend it when he is, and that means trying to be more disruptive with the blocks, with the steals, with you know deflections. And I'd say that's good. Like understanding his situation. You know, if we're going to get something out of him, I think he's he's trying to do the right things. I understand somebody looking at me posting like these stats and me like, oh, well, LeBron's low. That's because he's, you know, he's old and he's doing a lot. The biggest thing for him isn't like I'm not seeing plays where he's like, you know, seeing his man crashing and just like, man, I'm too tired right now. Like, that's not the problem. It's it's a he's not turning his head to see if that guy's crashing. And I would imagine if he does turn his head to see if that guy's crashing, he's going to end up boxing that guy out. Most of those times. And so the, the ask is really more about like, get, keep that head on a swivel and check. And that will enable you to do a better job in this specific thing. So I don't know that that'll help from a team defensive standpoint when he's in lineups as the four, he's res, you know responsible more for this rebounding. And when he's the worst guy on the team at it, that can be more problematic. But then when he's in lineups as like the three, that's when you might have more like on ball issues with his defense. Although you, you then would have more size behind him. So phenomenal player. And, and I will say he's been awesome offensively. He's done a really sure. good job. His three point shot yeah. is back. That is a big storyline for me. Like he's looking great. I love what I'm seeing about seeing from him on offense on defense. Like I, I understand the situation. I'm not like trying to look at it with, without understanding the context behind it, but at the same time, some of these things are definitely achie- achievable for him and not going to put a ton of like extra stress on his body. So sure. I think it's really about like the coaching staff looking at it, tracking it. And if they make, you know, if they're transparent, like I bet Braun won't be the worst guy at this, like over those games where, where he knows he's been the worst guy at it. Like if, if that's, if he's made aware of that, I think that's going to improve because he's a competitor. He wants to win and he should understand how this impacts winning. Definitely looking forward to that. Tim, you mentioned another thing that it's kind of like settled in for the Lakers and that's their, their three point shooting uh, as a team. It's not just cam. It's been LeBron, D'Lo, Reeves, uh, Rui still like 
shooting the ball incredibly well on like insane difficult you know attempts um Mm -hmm. so more good stuff i think is like the level of the role players who seem to like coalescing better and you know the pin and flare screens on the weak side have been a a development over the last couple weeks so i don't know just scheme checking you know the kinds of shots they're getting is this just kind of a natural you know snap back to them as where they really are or because i mean yeah we did break a an nba record on shooting but yeah they were still due for regression after that honestly right right and like past five games for every team this season the lakers are first in three-point percentage and they're at 44 percent that one historical game where they were in the 60s was certainly a big part of that. But if you look at the other four games, three of the four of them, they had a great percentage as well. They had one, one like in the low to mid 20s from a percentage standpoint. The other four games, they've been solid. And if they can keep that going, that would be fen- phenomenal. And that would be closer to what we were expecting this season. They're not going to put up more historical performances, I don't think. I don't think this roster is at that point. But they're much better than the like 29th or 30th ranked three-point shooting team they were to start the year. Now they're in, I think they're 20th right now, and they've just been rising and rising and rising. So that's been good from a scheme standpoint. We're seeing them continue to build stuff out. You mentioned the pin and flare screens. They're adding in more counters to plays. Like they have their bread and butter. Now they're adding all of the fun, you know, tertiary actions into the plays that help set them up to be better or help them attack different coverages. Like things like that are great to see we're right on schedule there last game the shot quality on sets was really low it was the worst no, second worst on the season but i think some of that was execution based um overall looking at the bigger picture tendency the team i'd say the process is is on an upward swing and the shot quality from what i'm tracking is also very much on an upward swing so that is great to see another i think factor in that confounds things a little bit is that ad He's very much gritting it out right now, but he's a little bit limited offensively and he's playing through a hip thing. He's thankfully his defensing defense and the rebounding are still there. Um, I want to like frame this as like, I like that. He's not just sitting games out. Like he's not hundred percent, but 80 at 80% or 70% is a very valuable player and so much better than what else we would have out there. And as long as he's not putting himself at further risk, like this is a, a great way to be operating. Like, Extra games played from AD, even if they're not, you know, fully functional AD is good for me to see. And it has certainly been valuable recently. So between that, the yeah. shooting, the scheme, the, the disruption, Cam playing better, better the, the lineups and the starting lineup change, like there's a lot that is working so far. Yeah, we talked, um, I think, on one of our bonus pods last week about how much better the offense has looked after making the, some of those adjustments in the second half. Uh, we're starting to see them. Score more 30-point quarters, Tim. I think the shooting's got a lot to do with that as well. What was it? Like mm-hmm. five of the first five uh 30-point quarters and first what was it, eight games? I, I think it was like 20%. They they reached 30 or more points in like 20-ish percent of their quarters over the first eight games yeah. or something like yeah. that. And then over the past handful of games, they've gotten to 30 or more points, like I think like half the time, which has been just such a huge, huge jump. Oh, here it is. Uh, they've had six 30 plus point quarters over the first 32 quarters of the season for games one to eight. And then since then, uh, they had 12 
in the 18 quarters from games, nine to 12 plus half the first half of the most recent game. Did they add another 30 point quarter in the second half? Uh, I think they may have, I don't know. Either way, it's, it's much better. Like things are much, much better. I do Tom, before we get out of here, cause I need to jump here in a minute or sure. two. There was one last thing I want to talk about with the defense that to me is an offensive issue that's, that's creating mm-hmm. it. And that's the transition defense. Uh, when we look at the team and how effective that they have been defensively this season from a transition standpoint, their defensive efficiency is below average and the frequency is, is uh, 16.7% of the plays that they have faced as a defense have been in transition. That's actually ranked 18. So it's not like they're other teams are getting out in transition all the time when they are they're They're a little bit above average. I think this has been more of an issue recently. Um, I don't know that it's a big picture like season issue per se, but there's, there's room for improvement. And when I look at what's causing that it's live ball turnovers. And I, and if I look at where those live ball turnovers are happening, there are a couple things. First, your transition offense has the highest turnover percentage of any team in the league. This team, and we've talked about it, we've noted it so many times on the watch parties, they don't seem to understand how to run their lanes. It's so painful. 2v1, 3v2, 3v1, 4v2, 4v3. Like, they don't get it. Like, this is like elementary middle school (laughs) stuff. And it's simple. It's super fixable. I expect them to, like, if they're they're self-scouting and they're realizing, like, what aren't we doing good right now, doing well right now, they should see this and they should be working on this at practice or, or going over this in walkthroughs. This is easy. You should definitely be able to do better than this. There are way too many transition possessions where it is just an adventure. And D'Lo seems to be at the helm for a lot of those, but it's not just him. That needs to be better. Um, we have the second worst turnover percentage on off-screen plays, but it's only been five times this season. So it's not like a big volume thing, but it's every single time it's been someone driving after catching the ball and, and coming off like a down screen. And then LeBron fumbled one. And then there were four bad pass turnovers from guys either over penetrating and realizing, Oh, I don't have anything or trying to make a pass. that's not there. Low sample. I'm not super concerned about that. The one I am concerned about is the transition. And then also overall from a pick and roll standpoint, this team has the fifth worst transition. I'm sorry, turnover percentage. Um, they're turning the ball over way too much on their ball screens. And because ball screens are a big part of the NBA in general for this team and for all other teams, like when we're doing our, our pregame shows and I'm saying like, Hey, you know, this team's 29th in pick and roll frequency. It's still like 70% of the time. So it, it's still happening frequently. And no matter like what team you are, but for the Lakers that are an above average pick and roll frequency team, the turnovers are a little bit too high. And when I look at who's creating those turnovers, the Anthony Davis and Christian Wood on ball ball screens and the Rui ball screens have not gone well in this regard. Um, all of them are a bit high. Uh, Austin's ball screen turnover rate is a little bit higher than it was last season. Uh, but I, I really think some of those inverted ball screens with the bigs, they're, you know, it can look cool when it works, but when it doesn't work, it's usually also, I don't know, a, a noisy play in a bad way. So I, that they may have to reassess how frequently they're doing stuff like that. I think another part of this is the first couple of games of the year when the team was running pick and roll out of five out, they were driving into single gaps more often. That's not a problem anymore. I've been tracking that. 
They've added in the other scheme, bells and whistles that make it not an issue. So I'm not concerned about it anymore, but understand that four, three, four games of the season that was impacting the overall sample of data that we're looking at right now. So fixed transition, turnovers, run your lanes, super fixable, and then maybe not as much of the AD or Christian Wood or Rui ball screens are are two of the big things that to me would help limit the live ball turnovers, which would then set up your transition defense to play much better. All right, that's a great check-in, Tim. As you know, we were recording this Sunday afternoon before the Rockets game. So, if you're listening to this, um, this game's probably already happened. But join us on Playback where we watch the games live. If you want to get into our Discord, screenshot that you're subscribed to our YouTube page and send that to myself, Tim, or the Pod account on Twitter. And uh, yeah, appreciate everybody for joining. We are gonna be live on Playback for this game tonight. And until uh, next time. Talk to y'all later. See you. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done